0: This is the Austin Life Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. What's going on, y'all? Hi. Man, y'all, y'all's a very familiar word here, right? Yo, last night, we were um, driving through Austin and past UT, and everybody was in like cowboy boots, cowboy hats. I was like, yo, this is a real thing. <laughs> this is a real thing. I'm from El Paso. Now you would think that, now I've seen like a lot of a lot of like snake skin, boots, you know, like they're really sharp at the end, that are used for like Krav Maga, you know? <laughs> yeah, but anyways, um, I'm just so excited to be here with you guys again. Um, man, a year, a lot has happened, uh, and I'm just super thankful to be here again. Um, what we're going to do today um, is go through a passage in the book of Luke chapter 22 so if you're there or you're going to get there Luke chapter 22 beginning in let's see verses 39 through 46 39 through 46 All right, so um, I'm gonna read the text, and then we'll just jump in into what I have for today, okay? All right, Uh, Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 46. It says, and he, which is Jesus, and he came out and went as was his custom into the mountain wallows. And the disciples followed him, and when he came to the people, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation And he withdrew from there about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him and began, or in being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like drops, like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the... The disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow and he said to them why are you sleeping rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation uh god i just i just ask for your um favor not on me god but on everyone here god that they would see who you are through this text, God, that they would see how much you care for them, how much you love them, how much you desire them to be conformed more to the image of Jesus. Father, I pray that whatever distraction is in their brains—thoughts about school or you know that cute guy or girl that they met at the game last night—God, I just pray God would 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 those cowboy boots be out of their minds today? Would be out of their minds today, God. Um, God, would you help us, God, learn from who you are? you are? You are a really good dad, and I thank you for being with me and with everybody here. God, would you help us know you better so that we can love you better? And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I find it odd, right? I find it odd, here we are in Luke chapter 22, in the middle of the night. The disciples are tired, Jesus is exhausted, and he comes to a familiar place. The text reads that he came out and went as was his custom, right? He's been here before, this place, this garden, and this garden reminds me of another. See, in the beginning, God creates, and everything he created was good. And in his goodness, we find a story, we find a relationship that is occurring In this garden eden there was a relationship between a good and powerful and loving god and his creation and i can imagine every single time god will look at this man he made or woman right (laughs) he saw his own majestic fingerprints his artistry and his reflection in their eyes he called him adam And I think it's very interesting that the writer of Genesis pens chapter one with the rhythm that reminds me of a song, of singing. I find it also interesting that when Adam meets Eve and looks at her, he sings in a similar way. He looks at her and his heart overwhelmed and begins to think and say what many people uh, think and say whenever a love at last has finally showed up in their lives. Not with cowboy boots. Finally, it's you, it's you, finally. And I've learned from Adam to say something like, you're everything like me, you are everything to me. See, but drama doesn't wait. A turn in the story occurs, there was an enemy. In this garden, an enemy that wanted to separate the first marriage in this garden. There was temptation in this garden. There were lies and a distortion of truth spoken in this garden. Trust was lost in this garden. Relationships were broken in this garden. How ironic that death was birthed in this garden. Heaven was separated from earth. In this garden, I find it odd because now here in Luke chapter 22, we find ourselves again in a garden. The son of man, the one who has come to save us from our sins, Jesus, the son of God, was sent by his dad, by his father to accomplish, bring to finish, fulfill the father's purpose and will. And in a moment of opportunity to either obey or disobey In the garden, Jesus has options. The disciples have options to either follow through or fall out of line. Any hope humanity has at being able to once again see God's face and come back to the one who loves them most is now up for grabs in the garden. See, don't you get it? In this moment, here in Luke. The fate of humanity hinges on whether Jesus comes through or cops out. What a weight for someone to carry. And we know that he's been carrying it for some time because in Luke 12, Jesus uh, tells his disciples that he's been in great distress. He's been surrounded by this great pain, knowing what is to come. In Luke chapter 19, he uses the same word to describe Jerusalem being surrounded by all its enemies on every side, awaiting destruction. (coughs) And he's weeping and he's looking at the city of Jerusalem and says, If you only knew the price for peace, peace between what? Peace between whom? See, if you're a Christian today, Luke chapter 22 is a piece of the story that's paramount. It's monumental. Everything Jesus has done in his life and ministry leads up to this one moment of choice. At the beginning of his ministry, he's given a scroll that says, uh, and says, the spirit of God is on him and he is here to proclaim the good news to the poor and freedom to those who are enslaved. Sight for those that are blind and liberty to those who have been oppressed by life, by people, or even their own doings. I can relate to that. Jesus has been on a mission to do what he's been commanded to do. And here we are in the garden at night and he's waiting the betrayal of a friend. And we get a very real and relatable picture of the son of God speaking with his father at night, moments before he is betrayed, days before he is murdered in the dark. When most people are sleeping, he is awake and here we are. Here we are. This is the Father's will, his agenda, what God wants to happen. And I wanna submit to you today that even though God the Father has not asked us to die on a cross for the sins of the world, he has asked us to die. In some way to put to death our will for our lives to put to death our distorted desires to put to death this idea of it is what i want because it's my life attitude and perspective and that's going to be really hard for people who are in college <laughs> not gonna lie and like everyone else in like every phase of life so <laughs> you're not alone we feel right Family, I know it's not that easy. I'll be the first to say that putting to death my distorted desires, my will for my life is not something that, become, that can be accomplished comprehensively in a 24-hour time span. It takes day after day and week after week and month and year after year until the wheels fall off for me to, to even try to, to get closer to looking like Jesus. See, God has a purpose and will for Jesus. He did, he sent him on mission, and he also has a purpose for you and me. Anyone who now claims to be under the banner and lordship of Jesus has been given spiritual gifts, blessings, favor in some way, not prosperity or all the money in the world. And he's given us each other to move towards looking more like Jesus. God desires, And I'm confident in this. God desires to bring heaven to earth and he desires to use us. He invites us to be those that bring this heavenly will on earth here in Tech, in Austin or wherever 35 took you or takes you after this. All right, Luke 11 states, Our Father who is in heaven, your name is holy and separate. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now this is before the garden. Do you see this? Luke is preparing everybody and Jesus is giving them the example. Jesus is praying, God, your name is separate. And your name is tied to your kingdom coming. So I'm going to ask that your kingdom will come On earth, I want the king. Jesus is praying for the kingdom of God to push through earth as it is in heaven. If you know his name, then we should be about his kingdom here on earth. There is a tie, there is no disconnection there. If you've been living life for self, which I understand. It's not a one moment of turning. It's a constant, my will, oh my gosh, please God, help me. Over the last few weeks, we've been asking the scriptures. Well, actually, we haven't. (laughs) I've been asking the scriptures to teach me how to pray. And I want to ask you, like, how do we pray in a way that helps bring God's heavenly will and purpose here to Rich Tech, to Austin, or to wherever... 35 takes you. Today, I want us to observe in Jesus' prayer here in the garden at night when he's all alone. I want us to see his humanity and I want us to see his heart. And I believe that Luke wanted us to be impacted by an example that Jesus set for future disciples, which is, guess what? As me and you, fam, and I don't really care what color you look like. To imitate what we see in the text. How did Jesus pray in a way that helped him bring God's heavenly will here to earth? When I thought about this text, in my mind, if I close my eyes, I kept on just seeing Jesus having these giant ropes, and that brother just flung those ro- ropes on heaven like a hook, and he's having those ropes, kinda like Samson, but like not. <laughs> because, you, know, you know, Samson's imperfect and Jesus is not. All right. <laughs> and I don't think Jesus has long, had as long as hair as Samson. No disrespect. And he pulls down these ropes. And here comes heaven crashing down, making everything beautiful once again. And so here we go. All right. Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 46. His humanity. All right. Let's look at verse 39. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. See, Jesus had habits. This was something that he constantly did. And this is not the first time. Literally, like a chapter or two before this, it says that he was continually going out, going from garden to temple, from temple to garden, from garden to temple, temple to garden. And there was no Uber. Just sandals and sweat and bunions, God help me, all right, habits, that he came and went, he went and came, and this is a familiar place, now, this is not text here, but this is just my opinion, John Baptiste's opinion, in an earlier chapter in Luke, had said that Jesus, this is right before the disciples are being taught to pray, it says, and it went to a place that, that, that it was like the place for Jesus to go, now, my perspective is that whenever he taught the disciples to pray, it was possibly the garden. And here we are, moment of truth, fourth quarter. We're actually on the field playing for the game. All right, practiced. This was practiced and it was a part of his life. It was on the daily. And then Jesus asked them something really interesting. He says this in verse 40. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into Temptation. Pray so that you do not enter into temptation. The purpose of prayer helps people avoid falling in temptation. Okay, all right, solid. So we got a habit, and then we got a heart, right? We got what we should be doing, and then how we should be doing it, right? I, when I pray, I don't want to do a temptation. Well, let me ask you a question: What's the temptation here? But let's not turn to the disciples because this is this is an interesting story it doesn't look to the the disciples right away it looks to Jesus what happened with Jesus that's a great question john 41 and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed saying father if you are willing remove this cup from me did jesus experience Temptation? If so, what was it? Let me read that again. And he said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Let me just translate it. If you are willing, take this away. See, we tend to breeze right over this um, and then just get to like the blood part, because. That's super weird, right? It's super crazy and kinda like, Luke, what are you doing? But then I like remember, oh, he's a doctor. So yeah, of course he would mention something like that, right? Uh, But we tend to breeze right over this request because it's a short one, but the tense in Greek actually shows us what he was constantly saying over and over and over and over and over again all night. Remove this from me. To paraphrase, take this away from me. Get me out of this. I don't wanna do this. I don't wanna go through with this. And it wasn't like one of like modern prayers where it's like maybe like a minute and 30 seconds (laughs) or maybe like three minutes. He was doing this for hours and hours and hours all throughout the night. If Jesus doesn't go through with this, what happens to us? Do you realize that if he leans into this desire to self-preserve, to have his emotions and pain and anxiety lead the way, there is no hope for you and me. Everyone is still dead in their sins. There is no help or rescue. Everyone gets exactly what we deserve. Separation from God, and that's a hell all on its own. His temptation was the opportunity to get out of dying on the cross for the sin and enduring what was to happen on the cross. Have you ever asked a request like this or made a request like this to God? God, I don't want to do this. Take this away. Please don't. Help me, I don't want to, I don't want to go through with this. Please, not today. It's interesting to note that earlier in Luke 4, whenever Jesus was full of the Spirit, this is right before his ministry, full of the Spirit, the Spirit led him into the wilderness. This is where Satan tempts Jesus three times. And all three times, Jesus shuts Satan down. At the end of that story, it says that the devil left Jesus until an opportune time. If there was any time, to tempt Jesus and get him to fail at doing God's business. It's right now. While he's anxious, his soul is in anguish of what's to come, his body is dripping in sweaty blood. And I Googled that, sweaty blood. (laughs) Hematidrosis, that's a real thing, y'all. Now, I wouldn't recommend clicking on the images because that's where I draw the line. And I definitely don't want to go to that. What's that website whenever you get scared that you're going to have like all these crazy... Web- web, yeah, WebMD. <laughs> More like, <laughs> come have a heart attack, WebMD. Uh, um, yeah, I don't want to do that because, you know. Uh, but, but, but yeah, this is, this is the time. Listen, if, this, if, if the devil's thinking, man, what's, what's going to be the best time? Oh, I know. The moment where he wants to cop out. He's asking God to remove, to take it away, to let him pass on being a sacrifice for the sins of the world. Now, I wonder how many of us are actually aware that maybe the temptations we currently face and the opportunities the enemy has already calculated. I wonder if we realize that those opportunities were actually specific calculations, waiting for the right Time to get you in a place of despair, anxiety, anguish, frustration. I don't want to do this. There, right there. As Christians, an aspect of the will of God is for us to be conformed to the image of his son. In simple terms, it's like to go after what it means and be like Jesus. To, to, to produce this spiritual fruit that allows us to become like Jesus to love like him to forgive like him to endure like him and not be conformed to the world's definition of life money power and sex and relationships like that's a basic thing that I can say for everybody now I don't know if God is calling you to India or Africa or helping those brothers out in Ukraine I don't know but here's what I do know everyone is called if you're here today and you say I am a Christian and that means that you've in some sense saying you know what God wants me to be like him. His son wants me to be like him and look like him and and have thoughts like him and be a beautiful representation and a fragrant offering for people. I can say that about every single one of us if you're my brother and my sister. And I'm curious that maybe the temptations we gave into a few months ago or last week or last night were calculated strikes by enemy forces tempting us our distorted desires in our flesh, and we were caught off guard. Instead of looking more like Jesus, the good Savior. Instead of humble, we are prideful. Kind, like Jesus, but we are mean. Encouragers like Christ, but we are slanderers. Sanctified and pursuing holiness, but we are sensualized in sexuality. Uh, Instead of being generous with the things that we have, we are greedy, or maybe you know, instead of being loving and giving truth lovingly, we have a hateful and rude tongue. And I'm curious if, in these moments, we've said in some way, "God, I just don't want to. I'd rather do me. I'd rather think and feel what I want to feel." And 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 I'm so grateful that Jesus honestly did not do that. <laughs> I'm so grateful that he is everything that's not me. <laughs> I'm grateful that he did not do that. But we see here very plainly that he knows what pain is. And he knows what separation feels like. And he, he knows what anxiety feels like to have a flood of questions like an ocean just slap you. He knows what it is, what it's like to be in pain in your soul if you've ever been broken hearted for something. His physical body not feeling as it should for all people who may be experiencing a physical illness or chronic illness. He knows to be in a crushing anguish. He just understands. But we see here very plainly, he knows, he knows. Jesus was a man of habits and these habits were intentional and consistent. What we do as habit truly impacts our heart. I want us to see this next move and observe the heart of Jesus in the midst of temptation, all right? All right, 42, 42B. For those who just want to just look up here by the second half, all right? Second half, 42, okay? 42. It says, um, nevertheless, my, not my will, but yours. Be done. That's a bar. All right? Jesus admits that there's two wills. This is great news for us. Are you thinking, John, like, what are you crazy, man? Like, what kind, of, what kind of breakfast burrito did you eat this morning? Barbacoa. And it was amazing, it was delicious. Palenque? Palenque. That's what I'm talking about. Jesus has two wills. He is confronted with this decision. For people that think that Jesus just kind of like stormed the castle and was like, all right, we're going to do this. Cross, let's go. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? He didn't do that. This brother was in the garden. His soul was crushing. And he says this, nevertheless, um, not my will, but yours. There are two things in tension here in this verse. And so much in being in agony, he prayed. Guess what? Look at the text. Look at the text and there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him and he being in agony he prayed more earnestly i love that sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground and this is very specific like i said luke was a physician he was a doctor that dude was og you know what i'm saying like white coat all right All right, and and, and he was going through so much stress and turmoil, and the blood vessels pop near the sweat gland, it's all coming out. I googled it, y'all. All All right, And, and Jesus is in the fight for his life, the sins of the world are on his shoulders, and it is a weight that no one can imagine. But he says, Nevertheless, not mine, but yours. In his agony, in his pain, in his exhaustion and his anxiety and his crushing, he prayed more vulnerably, more honestly, and more intently with conviction to accomplish the mission. The mission that he was sent on. And I honestly believe that Jesus submitted his will to his dad, saying, nevertheless, not mine but yours because he wanted to love his father this way by submitting to his will. See when someone knows and experiences they are loved, on the regular, I know that we're still kind of ratchet out here, all right? But, but, but when someone knows and experiences they are loved, they will likely desire and do what someone has asked them to do. And I say that very carefully. But here's what I'm getting at. Jesus once said, if you love me, you will obey me. Right? If you have love for me, you will obey me. Meaning this. If you love, if you have love for me, with love comes trust. And you know that what I ask you to do is out of my love for you and my best interest for you, you will do what I've asked you to do. Because you know I have good Intentions, thoughts, actions, for all of you. See, submission to someone's will comes when, out of love, a person trusts the person who is requesting. That's why, like, relationships are so beautiful. And that's why, hot topic word, submission. That's why submission is so beautiful. When, imagine... Imagine a guy that has, like, Adidas shoes instead of cowboy boots. (laughs) Or cowboy boots if you want. But, like, imagine that brother coming up to his girl and being like, you know what? I would sacrifice everything for you. So I can just be kind to you, be there for you, lift you up, and imagine his lady, his shardy, his ride or die, looking at him and be like, baby, you wear those boots. I love you. And I, I want to I wanna support you. I want to back you up. And if someone says something, you better know that I'm going to be there. <laughs> right? Right? Imagine how beautiful that is. The heart of a son trusted his father. Jesus trusted his dad, and because he trusted his dad out of love, when at the cross, carrying my sin, carrying your sin, carrying the sins of the whole world, and died for the things that we did. And he did not. And because of trust from love, we have hope. We are no longer dead in our sins. We have an opportunity to choose beauty instead of laying in our ashes, in our messes that we make. Redemption. It's a beautiful story, and the story is beautiful because the Son of God trusted his Father and followed through. So, how did Jesus pray in a way that helped him bring God's heavenly will, the Missio Dei, the mission of God? the ongoing story of redemption, the light pushing out darkness here to earth. Well, let me show you, this is our text. Yo, look at those shoes, bam, all right? All right, look at this text, all right? This is what I'm gonna do. My sister Sarah, drop that beat. All right? You can't really see it, but (laughs) look. (laughs) Uh, We're gonna work with this, sis. All right, so um, that's not her fault. It's like the lighting and stuff. Um, but yeah if you look on the right it says pray that you may not enter into temptation let's look at the second time uh, prayer is mentioned here Uh, look at verses 44 and being in agony he prayed more okay great Um, look at verse 45 next time and when he rose from prayer he came And then verse 46, he tells the disciples, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. John, what are you trying to show us? My sister Sarah, this is gonna be all right. Drop that beat. There is something called a chiasm in literary analysis. It's a literary structure, literary structure designed to help people understand what the author is trying to point to, something extremely specific. All right, they will use um, almost like a mirror. Almost like a mirror. The first sentence will look like really like a whole lot of like the last sentence. And so A and A match, B and B match, C and C match, and then D. So we only have five verses. So we're gonna look at A, B, and C. Sarah, drop it like it's hot. This is a chiasm. A-A-B-B-C. Go ahead. In verse 40, there is a command for the disciples to pray. Hey, pray so that you don't fall into temptation. B, in verse 41, Jesus kneels down to pray. All right, Jesus is kneeling. Verse 44, in verse 44, Jesus prayed more earnestly in his tension of two wills. B, in verse 45, he arrives from prayer in the same way that he knelt. Okay, that makes sense. And then in verse 46, there is a command for the disciples to pray just like he did before. What Luke is trying to point to in this section is how Jesus was able to push through when the moment came where either it was either him or God. It was either him or God. the idea of praying more earnestly it's this idea of sincerity of having qualities of steady purposefulness all right uh it implies having a purpose and being steadily and soberly eager in pursuing it okay steadily soberly eagerly pursuing it All right, this sounds very familiar. In Luke chapter 11, they were saying, you know, teach us how to pray, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Like, I want to do what you do. Our Father who is in heaven, your name is holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day all that we need and forgive us for the ways that we fall short with you, God. And as we forgive those that fall short with us, that hurt us. And don't let us be led away in temptation, but deliver us from it and the evil that it brings. Jesus prayed in a way that taught his disciples to let go of themselves and cling to God. During his own situation, he was showing them how to pray, to bring God's kingdom to earth. The only way to bring in God's kingdom was for there to be a sacrifice, for there to be a trade. And indeed, there was a trade. And there was, there was a moment where he was able to say, God, this is for you. And he accomplished it on our behalf. He did it. Why did Luke decide to use the literary structure, a chiasm, to focus on the way that Jesus prayed? That's so interesting. Like, why would he do that? You're a doctor, bro. Like, what are you doing? I want to read you two passages of Scripture also in Luke chapter 12. If you want to Read this later, 12, 35 through 40. It says this, stay dressed for action. This is Jesus telling his disciples, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home. Blessed are those whom the master finds awake when he comes. Jesus is commanding them to stay awake. You don't know when the son of man comes and he wanted uh, uh, his servants and disciples to be awake for anything, all right? Uh, Chapter 21, verses 34 through 36, Jesus says, Watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, that the day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place in this last part, to stand before the Son of God. Stay awake, pray, don't stop. Be alert, which is really interesting because a lot of things in this world really take our attention. Here in the garden at night, we have Jesus and the disciples. Jesus is experiencing sorrow, anguish, and a crushing, but the disciples are also experiencing sorrow. Look with me, verse 45. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. Now this preposition for anybody have like any other translation for for? Anybody? The Greek word is apo. Anybody? Everyone says for? Boom. Better translation. They were, <laughs> thank you, what's your name? Anna. Anna, thank you, come through, all right? Listen, Luke is saying they fell asleep because they were, they, they were so anxious and, 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 and uh, they were just dealing with a the lot. They were sad too. They were sad too and they fell asleep in their sorrow because of it. It's too exhausting. To deal with the pains of this life. I'm just going to go take a nap. And for me, like, I kind of like resonate with the disciples. I'm like, you know what, man, forget this. All right, I'm going to go take like, a, like an hour and a half. I'm single. I don't have family. So like, you know, I don't, I don't have that privilege. <laughs> I mean, I do have that privilege. My friends don't. Okay. Um, so how do we pray in a way that helps God, helps bring God's heavenly will here on earth to Tech Ridge, to Austin? How does Austin life bring love to an earthly community here in Tech Ridge. Well, let me submit to you that we pray like Jesus did. All right, these are the four things that I would recommend you write down. If you leave with nothing today, leave with this and the PDF that I'm about to give you. All right, vulnerably, this is how Jesus prayed, vulnerably, honestly, soberly, and with conviction. Vulnerably, honestly, Soberly and with conviction, about two years ago, there was an app that I was really into. It was called Acorns. Anybody heard of Acorns? Can show of hands? All right, God, it's good. Um, Acorns was this app that would you connect it to your bank account, you swipe your card, buy a coffee or whatever, 550 inflation, so like 650. 650, and then it, you could have a choice to select it to round to the dollar and then save the other 50 cents into like a portfolio where people on the app, whoever that is, might be one of you guys since we're Austin's like, all right. Um, but, but, but those people would invest it for you. So you don't gotta worry about it. And it was super dope, okay? So what I did, there was a bonus thing that would come around and say, they would give you like five to $600 if you got like, four or five people to sign up in a span of time. Like they only gave you like a week or two to do it. right? And, and I was like $600, I, $600 for helping people sign up for this app? Oh, this is easy. So what I did was like, okay, this is what I'll do. I'll make it the easiest for them to, to say yes to me. I will put a down payment. Cause you're like, you need to make like a $5 like investment and then the dollar or $2 for the wire transfer to make sure that you actually have like a, like a, like a good bank, right? Or like a bank that works, right? And, and this is what I did. I typed it up and I, I, I like started brainstorming of what, what, which people would be like best for this, right? And I went up to them and said, hey, look, how would you like to start investing for free? I would make your first down payment to open it up because I believe in you. I'm just kidding, uh, but but I would do it. I would open up the. Uh, I would say I will. I will open up this account for you. I would make the first five dollar investment for you. All right, and I would just give you this money to do it. They're like, all right, John, sounds good. Because in my mind, see, I see, I brainstormed, I calculated, I did my math. I would gladly pay. So five people, six hundred dollars. I would gladly pay thirty dollars. Six twelve eight. and trade that in for $570. Easy peasy. Yo, that's money. And get that $570 and buy Apple stock. You know what I'm saying? Because those 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 mugs aren't cheap. (laughs) All right. Okay. So that's what I did. And then one day I heard. Oh, and by the way, in one week, boom. Five people. $570, baby. Yeah. It was awesome. Easy money. But then a few days later, in my community group, I heard of a family that was struggling to pay their mortgage. And now I had a choice, because I care about these people. These are people that I do worship team with and hang out with, and their son, he's like my little brother. Got these cool little dreads, got the tips all highlighted and stuff. Um, and, and I had a choice. And here was a process that I went through. I was vulnerable and honest and told myself that my desire for financial security was understandable. Those are solid goals, and how do I know this? Well, in the famous theologian's words of TLC, I don't want no scrub. (laughs) A scrub is a guy that can't get no love from me. Hanging on the passenger side of his best friend's ride He's trying to holler at me. No, 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 scrub. (laughs) This is a fact, people. But then I asked, what am I running from by running towards working hard? I had a memory come to mind and my mom went over to my aunt's house and I was with her and my mom was having struggling, she was, my, my mom's sister was having struggles in paying rent, and I remember whenever my mom hugged her, she slipped money in her hand, and my tia, I looked up to my mom and said, thank you, sister, and she started crying. And for some odd reason, that memory sticks, and a lot of my childhood doesn't, <laughs> but in that moment, there I was, and I was like, oh no, tia's in trouble, and if I'm honest with myself, I saw my family suffer financially and it hurt my heart. And I move towards hustling now and getting ahead now because I'm trying to avoid the underlying feeling of hurt that comes with not having enough. And the people that I care about not having enough. I don't want that. And then I asked myself, what does God say about money and about worrying about finances? I also remembered when others would not only say they were living with open hands, but then I experienced open hands three of them right here. I love you guys, by the way. (laughs) Then I continued talking with God and asked him if he could allow me to give freely as his word asks us to do and as I have heard and experienced myself. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. My sister, can you put up the QR code? Um, I'm going to challenge you guys. In a moment of contemplation, you can do this now or later, but this is a worksheet. If you download the QR code, you guys can like take out your phones and do it. I'm not, I'm not like mad at that. Uh, but if you're interested, you can download this worksheet that I, ha- that I have for you guys. And it goes through the process that I saw myself constantly doing <coughs> identifying vulnerability and being vulnerable, being honest. And then there, there's a section of, of praying in sobriety, which just means this the things that help keep us sober are God's word and God's people that are walking with Jesus. And then there's a quick, adjustable, moldable prayer. I just gave something for you guys to see where I'm going of how to pray in those moments of tensions between wills. Because if it hasn't already happened, I'm pretty sure it has, it will happen. And it will continue to happen until until we go home. I'm going to encourage you. This is a specific prayer. There's lots of other types of prayers. What God has given us in method to access kingdom authority here on earth is a wealth of information. But this is specifically when there is a challenge between our will and God's will. And Jesus showed in his anguish he did not fall asleep. He pushed him. The disciples, on the other hand, fell asleep. And Luke used a chiasm and a focus and an example in Jesus and a comparison to the disciples. So my question for you today is how will you now pray? And hopefully an encouragement to stay awake. Let's pray. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.